for many, many months, Neil Brown and the Mountaineers have been doubted. They were picked to finish last in the Big 12 preseason poll, and they clearly had been waiting for their Big 12 opener for a chance to prove doubters wrong. Today, against the Red Raiders, they did that for the moment, completing a difficult task. They won their third home game in a row and did so with a redshirt freshman quarterback making his first spot start and they improved to 1-0 in Big 12 play. We're here to break down that 20-13 win over the Red Raiders here on the Golden Blue Nation podcast. Nick Farrell and Ryan Decker, we are once again soaked. Why does this keep happening, Deck? The pit game, no rain, but Duquesne and Texas Tech, man, winds and rain go hand in hand at this place these days. Ever since, and again, I'm not putting blame on the shoulders of anyone, but ever since Garrett Green became a truly integral part of True. the offense here at West Virginia, <laughs> we have had rain. Oklahoma last year, uh, Oklahoma State, I know he was injured for part of that game, but Oklahoma State last year, poor Angelica had to deal with that, and then Duquesne, and now this game. That's four big games that we've had to deal with rain. Again, I'm not blaming anyone, I'm just saying that's where the, tr the trend has taken us. But... The fans who braved the rain got to see a great finish. Uh, not sure it was a pretty football game. In fact, Neil Brown admitted that. You know, I, let's just face it, Deck. I don't know that this team is going to win pretty at any point this season, right? I mean, they play a different yeah. brand of football. It's not your typical uh, passing, uh, Big 12 passing offense that you might have seen in previous iterations of this West Virginia team maybe six, seven, eight years ago, right? Uh, it's not It's not Geno Smith at quarterback, targeting Stedman Bailey, right? It's Garrett Green and Nico Marchio trying to hit their tight end for right. a 10-yard gain. But right? you know what? Pretty football doesn't matter if you lose. There's no style points awarded, right? That's exactly so right. So if you win, that, that's okay. And so that is the story today. Once again, for the Mountaineers, victorious by a touchdown, 20-13. to 13. Uh, We'll talk about the final sequence at the end of this game, but let's hit first our turning point brought to you by First Green Mortgage. Your home is the heart of what we do. Deck two sequences come to mind for the turning point in this game. It's either got to be the 13-play, 75-yard drive late in the first quarter by West Virginia, capped by a C.J. Donaldson touchdown run run to take a 7-3 lead, or it's the response late in the game when Texas Tech made it a 13-10 game. West Virginia never trailed again after taking a 7-3 edge, but late in the fourth quarter, a couple of times, Texas Tech did seem to maybe have a little bit of momentum or at least an opportunity to really make it a ball game. So after the score was made 13-10 by the Red Raiders, West Virginia responds and rattles off a 7-play, 79-yard drive, in the fourth quarter, tapped by a nine-yard touchdown connection between Nico Marchio and Cold Sailor. It worked in the red zone against Pitt. It works again for West Virginia, and it ends up being the difference on the score line as West Virginia wins 20-13. to 13. It was a huge turning point in the game, that, that response by West Virginia, the fact that a team, again, without its true starting quarterback that is a little bit hobbled up and getting banged up throughout the game, dealing with the elements, can watch the opposing team go down and score on a defense that had been playing really, really well up to that point, and then strike right back with a counter one-two. I mean, that's really important, I think, if West Virginia is going to continue to win games this year. That's how you have to do You've got to answer everyone else's body shot. In some ways, the Mountaineers did more with less today in their seven-point win over the Red Raiders. Texas Tech outgained West Virginia 321 yards of total offense to 256. But some key stats where West Virginia did win 
time of possession, West Virginia had nearly 10 more minutes of possession and forced three turnovers on downs. Texas Tech was two for 18 on third downs, but five for eight on fourth downs. Those three turnovers on downs were critical for West Virginia. But you mentioned to me before the game deck two things that you thought were critical, and they and they really did turn out to be true. They were time of possession and scoring. One was that you thought that because Texas Tech plays a tempo-style mm-hmm. offense, that that might really uh, play into West Virginia's favor, and it did. The Mountaineers had 34 minutes and 50 seconds, nearly 35 minutes of possession possession but also we were both in agreement that if this game became high scoring West Virginia we thought didn't stand a chance if it was one in the teens or the 20s that would be the sweet spot for West Virginia and that would require a terrific standout defensive performance like the Mountaineers got against Pitt and what do you know Texas Tech is held in the teens West Virginia scores just 20 and wins by a touchdown sometimes we know what we're talking about on the sidelines other times not so much but sometimes we do and and, you know it really is becoming apparent a couple things for this West Virginia team the running game will be able to be there I think consistently for West Virginia it might not be the same guy every single game we saw where CJ Donaldson he just wasn't running as effectively in the second half but the running game is going to get you there in just about every game to give you a chance to be competitive And because of that, West Virginia can control the clock and they can limit opposing possessions. And West Virginia can really kind of dictate how games are going to go this year, especially when the offense is able to create chunk plays like they were at times in this game. And look, I mean, we kind of knew West Virginia was going to need to keep this one in the lower scoring element, like like you just said. And they were able to do just that in part because, and I know we're going to get to this as well, Texas Tech loses their quarterback kind of mm-hmm. early in this game. They're scrambling just like West Virginia was last week when Garrett Green went down. And and luckily for West Virginia, they were able to overcome that. Yeah, you mentioned Tyler Shuck. He and Nico Marchio both played at the same high school at different times. Hamilton, uh, of course, Shuck, the starter and highly touted quarterback at that for Texas Tech. Two for six, three yards ends up leaving the game as he's carted off with a boot or brace or something like that around Mm -hmm. his ankle. Didn't look good. Uh, He's replaced by Baron Morton, the guy who torched West Virginia last year in in Texas Tech's 48-10 victory. But it was clear, Deck, just like with Markio last week, it was clear that Texas Tech's offense just wasn't the same, really. Not not that it was firing uh, in the short time that Shuck was out there on the field, but Baron Morton, 13 for 37, 158 yards and a touchdown. It did seem that late in the game, Texas Tech was able to play that tempo style. And in the fourth quarter, maybe you felt like, okay, maybe this game is going to turn because it seems like the Red Raiders have finally settled in. But was it too little too late? Sure enough, West Virginia comes up with a humongous stop on that final possession. Uh, Texas Tech has four opportunities to score a touchdown to tie or potentially even go for two Mm -hmm. to win the game. And the Mountaineer defense really stood tall in those moments. Secondary coming up with uh, Beanie Bishop specifically. A huge breakup in the corner of the end zone. Uh, Mountaineers really took care of business there on that final possession. You know, I just talked about West Virginia being able to dictate things with the running game. That's what Texas Tech did the longer this game went on. Taj Brooks Mm -hmm. really started to get going, ends up with 25 carries for 149 yards, averaging six yards per carry there. He started to become more effective the longer this game went on, in part because you mentioned the tempo that Texas Tech started to run with. You could tell the longer this game went on, that did start to affect this West Virginia defense. But kind of like we saw against Pitt last week, when West Virginia needed to make a big play defensively, they were able to do that. Beanie Bishop did it a couple of times. Marcus Floyd had an outstanding oh, game, game today. Mm-hmm. Really, really good game by him. And a couple other guys stepped up as well, obviously. But 
that's kind of been the nature of things, I think, so far this season. When West Virginia, by and large, has needed a big play defensively, they've been able to get that play. And the defensive line deserves some credit, too. Yeah. Made things difficult for Morton, who seemed a little bit uneasy at times, maybe making decisions too quickly. Mm-hmm. Perhaps he was rushed a little bit by the good pressure that West Virginia's defensive line got in the backfield for Texas Tech. You know, Deck. Uh, There were questions about the secondary after the Penn State game. Now, three games later, it almost seems as though West Virginia's secondary could be one of its strengths. It's funny how those things happen. Maybe um, us us folks who are reporters who cover the team shouldn't be making judgments after one game, but should wait until four have been played. Uh, I think that it's also a testament, too, to the fact that Penn State probably is the best football team this West Virginia team is going to play this season. Most likely. Uh, Maybe with the exception of Oklahoma late in the year, we'll see what happens with the Sooners. Uh, I know we talked about this last week here on the Golden Blue Nation podcast. We kind of did a sneak peek what's ahead for West Virginia Mm -hmm. in Big 12 play. If you're just uh, joining us here for this week's episode, you might have missed the fact that Deck and I both discussed that West Virginia's schedule is maybe good for WVU because the Big 12 is soft. The Big 12 is down this year. Yes, it Uh, is. And West Virginia got all of the good matchups, so it seems, right? Avoiding Texas, a team that's in the top 10 right now. Avoiding Kansas, a team that has been very good and has the Big 12's preseason offensive player of the year and Jalen Daniels at quarterback, right? And so maybe West Virginia is somewhat fortunate in its scheduling. Certainly, this Texas Tech team has had West Virginia's number, but is now 1-3 in three and certainly did not play its best football, or at least the best football it's capable of today uh, here at Milan Pushkar Stadium as the Mountaineers came away with a win. I want to mention, we, we've already discussed Texas Tech's quarterback. I do want to mention quarterback play from West Virginia mm-hmm. from Traylon Ray, one for one for 21 yards. Uh, <laughs> How about no, that? Uh, Nico Marchiol in his first career start at WVU, 12 of 21 for 78 yards and a touchdown. Uh, want to get your thoughts on Nico I'll share mine first deck. I thought that just like in the pit game, he managed most of the game well. Mm-hmm. And he talked about this after the game that college football, right? Every game in the Big 12, even if it is a down year for the conference, a lot of these games are still going to be toss ups right. that are decided by a few critical moments in the game. And as discussed, I thought that one of the turning points in this game was the fact that West Virginia's offense led by Markiel was able to respond when it became a three point game in the fourth quarter, immediately struck back to take it back to two possessions. And you saw just how critical that was as the rest of the game played out. I do think, though, that while Coach Brown, and we'll hear from him in just a minute, was pleased with the way Markio played overall, I I do think that he left something to be desired in a few moments, Mm -hmm. uh, although those did not make or break the game. It seemed like a few mistakes would loom large, but really it was the way that he bounced back, right? The interception... In the first quarter, Brown admitted after the game it was not a good decision. Yeah. Markiel should not have thrown that ball. But what does West Virginia do? It gets possession back. Nico settles down. Lengthy scoring drive that takes a ton of time off the clock and puts seven points on the scoreboard for WVU. Same thing, third quarter, he has a wide-open Hudson Clement. By no means a layup because it's a 30- or 40-yard pass. Layups right. are short, right? <laughs> that was more like a three-pointer, but still right. a wide-open three-pointer. And he underthrows what would be a touchdown for Hudson Clement if he hits the player in stride. But again, heads don't sink. Markio able to make plays later in the game, plays that count in critical moments, helping West Virginia win the game. So I'm interested in your take because I I do think it's a mixed bag. It's not all Mm -hmm. rosy. uh, And and I do think that that maybe folks have now seen two games of Garrett Green, two games of Nico Markio, you know, 
they're on the same plane for sure. Um, but maybe there are some things that Garrett does better than Nico at right. this point. I, I don't know. It's again, it's one of those things where if we're going to make judgment about the secondary this early in the year, right, maybe we're en- going to end up being wrong. Uh, I think that both of those guys have shown that they're definitely capable uh, mm-hmm. moving forward at the quarterback position. Yeah, so definitely some good and some bad. You know, you talk about the interception there. Nico said after the game, the guys on the other teams that are on scholarship. So, yeah, right. Uh, th- those guys can make plays. So we, we got to give credit, I guess, to Texas Tech's defense for taking advantage advantage of a couple of Nico's mistakes but certainly I think Nico looked a little bit more poised a little bit more comfortable in the pocket at times today um, some better I think accuracy m- most of the time in this game from him on some throws they let him throw, throw it a little bit more today certainly a couple mistakes uh, there, there was at times where I thought West Virginia for one reason or another almost got Nico out of rhythm and I was worried that at some point that was going to break some of the good mojo that he had brought into this game. And in credit to Nico, he didn't let that happen. There was a couple times where, uh, just one way or the other, I was wondering where the offense was going. And luckily, Nico kept it on track for West Virginia. So, I mean, ultimately... It's about what you expect from a redshirt freshman making sure, his first right. start. And really, I know Texas Tech didn't have a number beside of their their name coming into this game. They weren't ranked. But this is a big game. It's important Huge. to, as Neil Brown said after the game, you've got three home games in a row. You swept that homestand. It's important to do that. It's important to get off to a good start in Big 12 play. They're 1-0 now in conference play. It's a big game for Nico, a big game for the program. And, and like you said, he managed the game to a point where West Virginia was in position to win at the end. And at least for the time being, that's what you have to ask Nico to do. Now, if Garrett can't play, let's just say next week at TCU, that obviously remains to be seen. You're going to need a little bit more out of Nico against TCU. That's likely going to be more of a higher-powered game or need to be a higher-powered game to be successful. But in a game like this with the elements, with Texas Tech, and we kind of said going in, this maybe needs to be a lower-scoring game. Nico played about how you need him to play for the most part. Uh, such a, you summed it up in, in such a terrific way there, Deck. I, I do just have one last thought. I think fan expectations for Nico are extremely high, as as yeah. any quarterback at any college has high expectations when they come in as highly tar- as highly touted mm-hmm. as Markiel did um, today in his first career start. He showed poise, composure. Uh, at times, it wasn't him making the mistakes. It was his receivers who let him down. I mean, sure. drops left and right. And, and that really you know, has, has been an issue even when Garrett Green was quarterback, mm-hmm. right? Uh, quarterbacking the Mountaineers before his injury. That sometimes the wide receivers, tight ends, just let the QBs down. Um, and as you saw, I think today is a really good example of the fact that not everybody has a perfect backup quarterback situation. Markiel made some mistakes, but overall came through in those critical moments to help West Virginia mm-hmm. win. And so it's clear that West Virginia is in a good spot with Green and Markio. And I think that's a huge takeaway from this game. Texas Tech did not have offensive rhythm after yeah. its backup quarterback came into the game. Not until late in the game. It, it, right. Until late in the game, right? It took some time, and at that point, it was too late. If they mm-hmm. play a third half, maybe Texas Tech wins that game, but they don't. They play four quarters, right? Uh, and so I think that, that what we've seen here over the last two games, Pitt and against Texas Tech uh, is the resiliency that West Virginia has shown, particularly at that quarterback position mm-hmm. that Markiel was able to step in, make make important plays, manage the game really against Pitt, make the simple plays to beat the Panthers. And then today, 
playbook expands a little bit more. He was able to make some plays with his legs and overall gets the job done and gets the win in his first start. We mentioned fan expectations. I think part of the reason expectations are so high for Nico, of course, a four-star recruit and commit coming out of the state of Arizona, but West Virginia coaches just spoke so highly of Nico throughout the Mm -hmm. offseason. I think that added some flame to the fire there of, of wanting to see Nico this season. And while maybe they might have overshot a little bit of what Nico can do at the present moment on the football field, the one thing that coaches did not overestimate, and maybe they have underestimated to a degree, is his leadership. Mm. The, the kid is not phased at all. I really respect that out out of Nico. For I mean, that's a tough situation to go into to go into this game not really knowing for sure if you're going to be the starter coming in last week in the backyard brawl first time here and since 2011. Two big games that he's come in and shown poise. Uh, again, the, the stats aren't glamorous by any means, but he's gotten the job done. I think that leadership has been big out of him. Credit to Green, too, who was yep. uh, continually positive on the sidelines today. I'm sure that he, just like anybody, would wanted to be out there yeah. playing in this game. Uh, but he he and Nico do truly, it's clear, have a great relationship. And, yep. and that's something that's really unique and is going to do Certainly no harm, only help this Mountaineer right. team moving forward, regardless of who's quarterbacking it. Uh, we'll take a quick break here on the Golden Blue Nation podcast, and when we come back, we'll let you listen in to some of Coach Brown's post-game comments from the podium. Don't fall behind on your home improvement projects. Let First Green Mortgage help you with their variety of home improvement loans, and you can rest assured that your loan stays here. Visit their offices in Bridgeport or Morgantown or apply anytime online at the all-new FGM.bank. The Golden Blue Nation podcast continues, and as promised, it's time to listen in to the postgame press conference from head coach Neil Brown following his team's seven-point victory over Texas Tech in the Big 12 opener at Milan Pushkar Stadium. Before we get rolling, um, obviously a, a bad weather day, right? Not a not a great weather day, but I want to say this to our fans that stayed, um, and it, it was more people stayed than we had after our lightning delay versus Duquesne, but I'm always stuck by the ones that stayed. I mean, they were really invested, and it was super loud. And they had, they had an effect at the end of that game. It really reminded me of uh, the Iowa State game back in um, – I was at 21, I think. Iowa State was ranked in top 20. And it was a very similar day, if you all remember. Very similar day. And they had a drive with a chance to tie late. And I thought our crowd made it really difficult for them late. And then I thought it was just a repeat today. It was uh, – you know, they got really loud there and um, a lot of respect for Joey and, and that team and that program and uh, feel really bad for their quarterback, for for Tyler. He's had some injuries. Um, I hope it's not as bad as it looked early, you know, right when it happened. Um, but that's a team that was picked. You know, they were kind of the darling pick of the Big 12 early in the year and they were picked one, two, three, or two or three, not one, but two or three in a lot of these polls in preseason. Um and so that this was a really good win. This was an important home stretch. We knew it. Um, we felt like if we can win our home games, that gives you a chance to to win in your league. If you look at who's performed well in the league, you win home games. And we had a three game home stretch, and we swept it. You know, we went three and zero and beat a rival. And then today we beat a team that's had our number. I was pretty open with that during the week, for whatever reason. This is the only team. This we beat them all now. All the original ten, I guess. Um, but this was a team that had had our number. And, um, you know, it wasn't pretty. I was disappointed how we played offensively. I thought Nico did some good things. I know that's probably going to be Coach's first question over there. But I thought Nico did some really good things. Um, the first pick was not good. You know, the guy was in front of him. The second one was a strike that bounced off our, our guy's chest. Um, 
you have heard me say this. Like that should be a fumble. Like a drop, a drop ball should be a fumble if not an interception. Um, and and I thought he made a really good big time throw in the last series of the game when we went for the shot. Um, I thought that was a great throw um, for a guy making his first start in really poor weather and wet. I thought he did a pretty good job. We got to be better around him. Um, but man, our defense played well, you know. And um, I trust those guys. Um, took a lot of heat in, in in the off season. They did. We did. Um, but I knew we had a plan. We had a plan, and we've played good defense. Whether it was a Troy or here, we've played good defense. And, I, and we know what it looks like. We know how to get guys prepared. And Jordan and that whole staff on defense. And then, um, you know, our players really fought, and they competed. Um, that's a group that's that prides themselves on being really good on offense. And if you look at the numbers, they ran 81 plays for 321 yards. They have two of 18 on third downs. Um and we're a prideful group. And I told you, we were embarrassed last last year down in Lubbock. And our guys heard about it all week. You know, you know, they were getting kicked by me and patted on the back by everybody else. You know, I'm glad you beat Pitt. Glad you beat Pitt. And all I was telling them is, you know, let's turn on the film from last year at Lubbock. And because it wasn't pretty. Um, but we came out tonight. And again, we're a tough football team. We're tough. And, and people are going to say, well, it wasn't pretty. And last week wasn't pretty. Win, win. And, you know, offensively, one thing we did is we controlled the clock. We ran it early. You know, really, I felt like it should have been, you know, anywhere from 20 to 27 to 3 at half. You know, that's where we really missed some chances was in the first half. Um, we're driving. We had a uh, – Nico threw a great uh, pass, and we dropped it in the end zone. We had another opportunity to take the ball in on a short field. We didn't get it done, so I was frustrated there. Um I thought punt return was big tonight. I thought Preston Fox played really well. I uh, thought we blocked well. Um, clean football. I think we had um, three penalties in the game. And uh, and so, just really pleased to get to 1-0 in the league. So, with that, questions? I'll let somebody else ask Nico. So, he, <laughs> let's go defense. Uh, just start with the last drive. They're starting to grind on you a little bit. What's your feeling there? What would you guys do? How'd that work? We were going to be okay. Um we, we we didn't want to give up shot plays. We felt like if we're going to make them run it, uh, which they didn't in the first half, and I think they got to – and credit them, they're good coaches too. You know, they saw what we were doing, and we were playing a light box, and they came back. And I told – like, Taj Brooks is the best player that nobody talks about in our league. Like, I think the kid is a really, really good player. And there's sometimes we tackled him well today, and sometimes we did not. But we're not going to be the only defense that does that. He's a good player. Um, and they handed it to him a bunch in the second half. And But only the run that he had over on their sideline uh, during their touchdown drive when he kind of ran over a couple – that's really the only extensive run he had. Um, and so they kind of dinged us a little bit in the run game, but we never let the explosive pass, uh, pass get out. Um and so we wanted to make them work for it. If they were going to score, it was going to take a bunch of time, and we were going to make them work for it. The defense stops them 16 times on third, three times on fourth. So what did you think of the clutch play making tonight? Well, I think it was a complete reversal of a year ago. You know, like they've seen those stats. You know, we put them in front of them every single day. They're, Texas Tech was 15 of 20 on third and four downs in Lubbock, Texas last year, and we, and we didn't get off the field, I and mean, we reversed that. And like I said, it's a prideful group, prideful defense staff, prideful defensive players. Most of the same guys played. 
You know, Beanie wasn't there. He played big today. Tommy made some, got some hits on the quarterback. But for the most part, all the guys playing played. Trey Latham played in the game last year. Lee Coba played. Sean Martin, Mike Lockhart, Asani Redwood played. Marcus Floyd played. Lance Dixon played. Malachi Ruffin played. You know, Aubrey Burks played. Same guys. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we had a couple pieces. Beanie being a big one. He came up and made a bunch of big plays today. Tommy being another one. I mean, we added some pieces, but it's the same guys. We're just playing better. We're doing a better job schematically, and we're playing better. Uh, I thought we tackled, you know, other than that run I just talked about with Greg. I thought we tackled. And – um, the guys bounced back. We had a good week of preparation. I'm not surprised we played well in defense. Felt like we would answer the challenge. Um, thought we'd play better offensively. Um, and and wasn't displeased with Nico, but we got to play better around him. We did run the ball. Thought our line gave us some chance. But you were talking about uh, you were talking about offseason heat that you took defense took. You had a, you said you had a plan. Thing of it is, plans can change. People can abandon plans. What was it? Uh, that kept you believing that's the plan that you had for the overall for, for the defense? Well, I believe in the staff. You know, I think that was the first major is, is I believe in those guys. And the reason I believe in those guys because we spent a lot of time together. We've been through a lot of battles together. Um, and I know what kind of coaches they are. And uh, we played really good defense until a year ago. And I can make a bunch of excuses and reasons why, but none of that matters. The fact is, we did not play well on defense a year ago, and we had some personnel issues that we feel like we've corrected. We feel we still got some. We need to get better. We got to continue to recruit and develop better. But um, and then we made some some big changes on the defensive side of the ball as far as schematically. You know, the front that we're predominantly running, um, the coverage structure. You know how we how we coach when we play man, uh, how we coach when we play zone. We completely we started from scratch on the, on a lot of that. And, and so we've been getting better. You know, we played Penn State, you know, which I don't know how they did today, but I, feel, I really feel like they're one of the better teams in the country. And we played them there. And we were a player two away on both sides of the ball from really being in it in the fourth quarter with a chance to win. And so even though we gave up some big pass plays, right, we made a couple adjustments during that Duquesne week. We didn't show them, but we made some adjustments, and it's paid off. You know, um, if you looked at Morton's numbers last year, you know, compared to this year, you know, and a lot of it, we got pressure on them. You know, we 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 won the battle up front on both sides, and we felt like we would coming into the game, and we did. Uh, we put some pressure on him, but we covered people today. You know, we covered well. Is there a different feeling for you when you're in a late game situation like us, a dogfight at the end uh, now, as compared to if you were in that situation last year? Yeah, well, last year, yeah, it was different because we weren't having success. You know, um, in this one, you know, we got the ball back. And somebody may have been Jed asked me about the the shot play there on first down. You know, it, there was four minutes and change to go, and they're going to get another possession probably anyway. And they had all three downs, um, and so you feel like you you need to you know we had them in the coverage we wanted. They were playing man. We felt like we felt good. He threw a great pass. We just didn't make the play. Um, but your your question was in a late game situation like we had had success now i know they're good on offense too now you know like they're good on offense and they were eventually going to make some plays which they did um but not and we didn't um you know i think that on our last touchdown drive when they cut it to 13 to 10 was it 13 to 10 and uh and then we went down we called a bunch of pass plays you know and i felt like even if they got the ball back we were going to be okay the um, changes on defense, I know you're not going to say, but it, it looks the same as far as people. The results are different. It's not quarterbacks missing receivers. You're doing something that has been effective. What what can you say about what you've changed? Yeah, so we went back and, 
you know, we were a, we were a match coverage team, which match coverage is um, it's really effective. A lot of the best teams in the country play match coverage defense, and the best thing the way, the way I can do it is a lot of you all cover basketball too. You know, and Syracuse has become when Bayham was a head coach, they were you know they played their two three matchup right, and essentially you play zone, but you match play man on anybody that comes in your zone. So I think people understand that in basketball. And that's essentially – and that's been what Coach ba- Coach uh, Saban's done a really good job of at Alabama defensively for a long time as they played this Ripley's match coverage where it's, it's a zone look, but they ba- really play man when they come into your area. And that's what we were playing. And, and we went out of that where we were just now – we're either playing true man or we're playing um, – some some spot drop zone coverage and the reason we did that is because it took less communication um we're able to work landmarks and stuff year round um and it gets more eyes to the quarterback and so that's the biggest you know we've messed with our front too you know this front structure of our defense is not the same as it as it was the previous four years um but those are those are some of the things you know Changes like after the after the Penn State. That's no, what you're no, about. no. After the Penn State game, we just had to clean up some things. They did they did some good stuff versus us offensively, and they hit some rub routes on us. If you remember, down in the red zone a couple times, hit some rub routes on us, um, and we and they caught us in a couple where we where we showed our coverage. So we had to do a better job of hiding it, and then really we just missed our landmarks, and we didn't do a very good job getting our hands on receivers. We gave them a bunch of free runs, and so you're underneath defenders. You know, before the ball's in the air, you can put your hands on them and and we're doing a better job and we didn't execute that as well and probably didn't emphasize it as well um, in that leading into that Penn State as we've done since. In addition to the frustration things you were talking about, it looked like you had three or four plays that worked off things you've been running, like off the quick pitch and yeah. making and out and things like that. Those are good designs, but when they don't work, what do you have to communicate to your players that, hey, that was good, that was should have worked, we'll come back to it, whatever, so that they don't get frustrated? Yeah, I think, well, guys are going to get frustrated when they don't get touches. I mean, that's, that's part of it. We deal with that. You know, that's, that's part of life now. Um, you know, I think frustrating, we didn't break very many tackles at all. And, and like I said, credit, credit Texas Tech. But we had a f- couple screens I felt like were opportunities to break and we didn't um we had, like i said i think we had four drops in the game those are that's a really frustration point with me uh, sometimes i understand if it's contested some and when it's not i don't um you know then we had some we got to we've got to get downhill faster in our run game you know we tempoed some of our runs and got ran down by the backside shouldn't happen um you know those are those are probably some of my frustrations um you know, we can be better in the pass game. Like, we we threw for 100 yards, but there there was a lot more than 100 yards that was out there with – with uh, and we can do a better job designing those, but we've got to do a better job executing so there's blame to go around. Um, but I don't think um, the na- the blame's not necessarily with Nico, you know, and everybody points to the quarterback, but it's not – that's not really where our issues were in the pass game today. Coach Texas Tech start. Ask with that one. Um, two-part quarterback. How close was Garrett to playing? And then Nico, after that early interception, confidence ever waver? How'd you deal with him? You know, he's really confident. He's had a lot of success, you know, and um, I just told him, you know, he made a really bad play on the interception. I'll just tell you what it was. I mean, he he held the ball forever. You know, I think he's had the ball for four seconds, and then he threw a route that should be completed 
um, in the divide between the numbers and the hash, and he threw it almost in the middle of the field. That's how late he was, and the guy was covered. Like, he wasn't open, you know, and and so it was a bad decision. I just told him, you know, I said, hey, it's a bad decision. You got to move on, you know, and I was like, and I kind of told him laughingly, I said, you know, we're, we're wearing gold, they're wearing white. If white's in front of gold, we don't throw it, right? I mean, let's not make it any harder than it is. And, uh, and so um, – but I thought he handled that well. You know, the bigger thing for the quarterback is when you have the one on third down that hit off Devin because um, he made a really good play, you know. And um, when you don't make – that's the ones that are hard to come back from. But I thought he did a good job. I look back over there, um, and, and I saw him over with the receivers. And so I thought he did a good job of, of getting over there with those guys. Um, as far as Garrett, um, he, he worked really hard this week. And um, he would have been ready on emergency. Like if something happened to Nico, he would have gone in the game, you know. Um, but if he didn't need to go in the game, I didn't think it was fair to him because his, his mobility, while he would play and he wouldn't be a danger to himself, but he, he, he couldn't have played in the way that we're accustomed to him playing. And so he warmed up. Um, you know, as the swelling went down, we felt like – talked to him on Tuesday and said, hey, this is kind of what I'm thinking um, – and credit to him, man. He's really selfless. Um, love the kid. Love both those guys. They're they're really good teammates. If you see how they interact, like Nico and Garrett, those kids are are good kids, man. They they they've done you know they're they're good people and and uh, they've handled this really well. Um, but uh, Garrett, man, spent a ton of time in the training room and got himself in a position where he could be ready because we needed him to be ready to go if he needed if he if we needed him. Thankfully, we didn't need him. Um, I'm hoping he can he can get out and be closer to himself by Tuesday. Nico, I thought he did some good things. Like, so if you go back to me, where I was really pleased with Nico. So the the game goes 13 to 10, and, and we had had some, we had two or three drives in negative territory, where we had to punt, and it was like fourth and one or two, right? And we came out, they went and scored the touchdown, hit us with some runs, made it 13 to 10. And I told him, I said, hey, listen, now we're, we're going we're gonna to cut this thing loose. We're going to throw the football. We got to throw it. They're, they're, got, they're loading the box, and we're going to throw it. And here's what we're going to run. And we ran the same play about four times, and it's finally popped open on the touchdown. But what he did is we got some pressure, and he tucked it and ran. Had two big runs there. Um, I don't think today he ran the ball overall as well. We had some draws where I thought if he just picked up his knees and like really hit it like he like he's capable of, um, I think that would have gone. Um, and uh, but he ran the ball well, and I thought on that drive that was big. That was big. And Cole's in here. I see Cole walked in here. I credit him, man. I was really concerned. We threw the double pass, and he fell really really awkward, and that was right in front of me. And I and I thought, man, this is going to be bad. And he came back. And then he redeemed himself. You know, we've been talking about redemption a lot. He dropped one. He'd be the first to tell you. And he came back and got one for the go-ahead touchdown there. Time for final thoughts. And to wrap up this edition of the Golden Blue Nation podcast, Nick Farrell and Ryan Decker here with you. Deck, you had a great stat about today's victory and the back-to-back wins for WVU over Power 5 teams. Yeah, so West Virginia in this game throws for just 99 yards on the day, and really only 78 of that came from Nico Markiel, trailing Ray, 100% passing percentage. We should mention that. <laughs> but for West Virginia, this is now three games in a row 
that West Virginia has been able to win when passing for under 100 yards. That dates back to last year's season finale against Oklahoma State when WVU only threw for 77 yards. But this goes all the way back now to 2005. This Between this game against Texas Tech, last week against Pitt, first time WVU has won back-to-back games when throwing for under 100, uh, under, under 100 yards with at least 10 passing attempts since 2005 when they beat Pitt, coincidentally, wow. and on the road at USF. Really impressive, again, that West Virginia was able to get it done. We knew the running game was going to be the strength of this team heading into the season, but to win back-to-back games, do something you haven't done in more than a decade's time, uh, going back to the, the prime Big East days almost, uh, wow. really impressive. You got the final scores from those games? Uh, so final score against Pitt that, that season, November 24th, 2005, 45-13 in favor of the Mountaineers. Wow. And then December 3rd, 2005, so after the Thanksgiving break at USF, uh, that would be a 28-13 win for the Mountaineers. Well, those are much higher than I would have points in this game as well. Yeah. So 13, wow. a big number. Wow. How about that? Yeah, great stat deck. So for West Virginia, it's on the road to TCU next week after concluding a three-game homestand here at Milan Pushkar Stadium. Then it's the open week and then one that I'm sure a lot of Mountaineer fans have had circled on their calendar, the matchup on a Thursday night, October 12th at Houston against Dana Holgerson, the former head coach of the Mountaineers. But we won't look too far ahead for now. Make sure to continue to follow our coverage at GoldenBlueNation.com and on the free Golden Blue Nation app. A new game week for West Virginia begins very soon. Head coach Neil Brown's weekly press conference is coming up Monday afternoon, and you can watch it in full on our website, GoldenBlueNation.com, on the free Golden Blue Nation app, and on the Golden Blue Nation Facebook page. Make sure you're following us there on Facebook because we're always popping off on Facebook. Right, Deck? Yes, we are. Always. That's right. Okay. That's a wrap on this edition of the Golden Blue Nation podcast. Deck is tired and cold and wet, and he wants to go home. So I would like to, yes. That's a wrap on this one. For Ryan Decker, I'm Nick Farrell, signing off as West Virginia defeats Texas Tech 20-13 to improve to 1-0 in Big 12 play and 3-1 overall. This has been the Golden Blue Nation podcast. We'll talk to you next time after the Mountaineers take on TCU.